0: We're going to continue with our sermon series uh, titled uh, Stand Firm. We've been talking about uh, these two books that Peter has written to Christians. And today is going to be the last uh, sermon I guess I preach on this series. And pretty much the gist of, of this series is that Peter, the Apostle Peter, has um, challenged and he's encouraged these Christians who are facing persecution, these Christians who are facing and having to deal with, uh, you know, false teachers, people who who are denying Jesus' return. And, And so Peter writes these two letters to these Christians to encourage them. And what really Peter is saying is, you gotta stand firm. You gotta tell your neighbor, you gotta stand firm. You gotta stand firm in your faith, in your belief, in, in Jesus' return, in, in Jesus' inheritance, and in the eternal life that he's given you, and what you're going through right now. Jesus, Peter is saying, You gotta stand, you gotta stand firm. Amen. And so we're gonna close this, this, uh, this last uh, preaching with, 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 uh, with this title. I've titled it Timing promises and, and, and patience. Timing, promises, and patience. Amen? Amen. There was a woman who was visiting her relative in, in Germany. And when she got to Germany, she you know she, she figured well maybe everybody in German, you know, at least the majority of people possibly speak you know English. She comes to find out that they don't but that they actually speak German, obviously, right? And so the majority of people in Germany speak German. And, and, and as she was boarding her plane or, or her train, better said, the instructor who was looking at her ticket was speaking to her in German. And she just, you know, nodded her head, you know, pretending like she knew what he was saying. And when he looked at her ticket, you know, he she in German he he pretty much told her, "Hey, your 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 train is is this way. Just just go that way." And so she nodded her head. She's like, "Okay, thank you. I appreciate it." And you know, not wanting this guy to to think she didn't understand. And as her train was was leaving, from far away, she sees that this inspector was screaming at her and, and yelling at her and, and waving his hands at her from afar. And, and she was just waving back, thinking that, you know, he was possibly saying goodbye. And, and he was just, you know, waving his hands and, and he's yelling at her and she's just waving back, you know. And there was an American soldier next to her and he, he leaned over and said, you, you speak German? And she said, well, um, not really. So, well, that makes sense because that guy was telling you you're on the wrong train. <laughs> See, if she would have understood the language, if she would have understood what this instructor was telling her, she, she would have never boarded right that train. She would have gotten on the, on, the, on the right train. She would have boarded on the right train. The problem is that she didn't understand. And reading this passage that we're about to dive into. Peter is telling us to, to, to understand a lot of things. He, he writes so many, so many things in, in these letters that he's writing to these Christians. But there are three words that I want to focus on today. Three words that I want you to understand this morning. Three words that will help you understand God just a little bit better. And it's God's timing. It's God's promises. And it's God's patience. You see, when you understand God's timing, you're no longer whining about him not not showing up on time. When you understand God's promises, you're no longer crying that, you know, that things aren't happening when you want it to happen. When you understand God's patience, it puts so much into perspective. It puts his love into perspective. It puts the amount of care that he has for you into perspective. But you have to first understand it. And I want to share with you that exact thing. Why don't we go to Second Peter chapter 3, verse... Verse 8. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Peter is saying, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. I, I said it last week when, when Peter was saying, dear friends, another version of the Bible says, Beloved, which means that he, he really loves these people to, to whom he's writing to. He really cares about these Christians who he's writing to. They're not just friends to him. They're more than friends. Like it's from like a pastoral point of view. He's worried about these people. He cares about He loves these people. Multiple times throughout this chapter, he says, dear friends. He's caring. It shows his heart. It shows how much he cares for these people. Peter says, but do not forget this one thing. Dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Hmm. A lot of people need to hear that. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Hmm. Why don't you close your eyes with me? Thank you, Father. Thank you for this word. Holy Spirit, I, I, I put this in your hands. In the next few minutes, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you can speak to us, that you can talk to us, most importantly, Father, that we can be obedient to your word. That we can walk out of here, Father God, feeling challenged, feeling confronted. Remove us from our comfort zone, Lord Jesus. And allow us, Father God, to apply your word in our life. Put this all in your hands, Father God. Thank you. Amen and amen. Timing, promises, and, and patience. First thing I want us to understand is that if we want to stand firm, we we'll to understand God's timing. Look at verse 8 again. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Sounds kind of confusing, huh? What is Peter saying? What does he mean that that a thousand years are like a day, a day is like, what, what what, what is Peter possibly saying? There's a story of a man who was having a conversation with God. The man said, God, how long is a million years? God said, a million years are like a second. The man said, God, how much is a million dollars to you? God said, a million dollars is like a penny man said, well, God, can you spare me a penny? God said, sure, you got to wait just a second. In other words, you want a million dollars from God, you got to wait a million years. How many are willing to wait? (laughs) You got to wait a second. How many love road trips? I'm sure you often go to road trips with your family. Listen, the one thing that i Dislike, right, there's a couple of things. I don't like spiders. I don't like frogs. I, I this weather right now, I do not like it. I, I hate being in the cold. It's not for me, I just, I can't do that. But on top of all that, the one thing that I do not like doing is road trips. I Like, there's just, I, I, I don't like, I can go to Austin, Austin. I've been there two, three hours, not bad. Maybe Dallas, I mean, I've been there as well, three or four hours. The farthest that I would think about going is South Padre, I've been there is five or six hours. It's not a problem for me. But you know what ruined my road trip? The, the, this experience, this, this thing that doesn't, you know, the reason why I don't like road trips is when I went to New York. Driving to New York is the worst thing ever. 24 hours, you are in a car. I don't know how people do that. How does someone have the, 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 the enough patience? How I would be bored. I would be losing my. I don't know. I, I did it once. I promise you, it ruined me. I did not like it. When I went again, I took a plane. Because I cannot be in a car for twenty for for twenty four hours. It's just not for me. And maybe you love road trips. How many parents have? Uh, how many families have? You know, how many parents have taken their kids to a road trip? What, what are your kids always telling you? Are we, there yet? Are, we there? <laughs> are we there yet? Ten minutes later? Are we there yet? No. Another ten minutes later. Are we there yet? No. What seems like a short amount of time to you, those maybe three or four hours or, or whatever, it, it, it's an eternity for your kids. What's a short time to you is forever for your kids. And they're always asking you, Are we there yet? Are we there Because they want to they get there already. They, 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 they want to be there already. What can be short for you is forever for them. And it's the same thing with God's timing. See, a lot of us have a difficult time understanding God's timing. What well, seems like a short time. or or, or a long time for us is really a short time for him. And what Peter's wanting these Christians to understand is that God doesn't work with our timetable. God doesn't work with our schedule. He doesn't work with our plans. He operates on his own time. He works on his own time. He does things on his own time. When he shows up in your life, it's not because he's late. He's showing up in the perfect time. At the right moment. The problem is that me and you can't understand that. We can't comprehend why God isn't showing up when we want to show up. But what we have to understand is this, is that God's timing is different. And these Christians that Peter is writing to had, had a problem with this. They were struggling with this. Last week we talked about how they were dealing with false teachers. And these false teachers, uh, these mockers, these deceivers were telling other people that, you know what, the Jesus you believe in is not coming back. This Jesus that, that made a promise to you, he's not coming back. If he were to come back, he, you know, if it was true, if his promises were true, he would have already returned. He made you a false promise. And so these Christians started to 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 believe what these false teachers were saying. And they were saying, you know what? Maybe it is true. Jesus did promise that he was gonna come back. Why is he taking so long? They didn't understand God's timing. What these false teachers were doing were affecting these Christians. I think that's why Peter tells them in the beginning of the verse, do not forget this one thing. In other words, Peter was saying, these false teachers might have forgotten, these deceivers might have forgotten, but you as a Christian, you as a follower, you as a believer, do not forget Others can forget that Jesus isn't coming. Others can can deny that Jesus is not coming. But you don't forget. Don't forget that he's coming once again. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Don't give up. Continue to stand firm. Peter's saying, do not forget. And so he says what he says in verse 8, with the Lord a day is like a thousand years. In a thousand years are like a day. And Peter's main point is that just because just because you don't see God, or just because you haven't seen Jesus return, it doesn't mean that He's not coming. It just means that God operates on a different time. It just means that, that God works in a different time. He doesn't work with your time schedule. It doesn't work according to your time. Jesus is going to return, but He's going to return at the right and perfect time. That's right. And Peter is saying, "Do not forget." It's interesting. How many have heard the story of Lazarus and how Jesus raises him from the dead? The story goes as. as as, as follows, that, that Jesus receives some news from, from Martha and, and, from, and from Mary. And they're telling Jesus, hey, my brother Lazarus is, is sick. We need you to, to come to Bethany. We need you to come right now, wherever you are. You need to come right now. My brother is sick. He's, he's about to die. Now, 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 now remember this. Keep this in mind. Jesus is just a few miles away from them. Remember that Jesus is just a few miles away from them. Which means that it would have only taken Jesus maybe a couple of miles to get to them. It would have only taken Jesus maybe a couple of hours, if not maybe half a day to get to them. But it took Jesus three days to just go a couple of miles It took Jesus three days to go just a couple of miles. When he gets there, they tell him, Jesus, you're late. We've been waiting for you, Jesus. What happened? My brother's already dead. You're late, Jesus. Why didn't you show up? Did you not get our message? You didn't get our text? You didn't get our email? Well, you're late, Jesus. We expected for you to show up a lot sooner. Jesus is saying, I'm not late. I showed up at the right time. Because God doesn't work in your schedule. Hallelujah. Think about this. The Bible says that Jesus loved Mary, he loved uh, Martha, and he loved Lazarus. The Bible literally says that. If he loved them, why didn't Jesus go a lot sooner? Why did he wait an extra two days after hearing the news? Jesus did it on purpose. See, Jesus wasn't late. Jesus showed up at the perfect time. He didn't show up when they wanted to. He showed up just at the right time. And and Jesus is saying, "It's it's not according to your time. I showed up at the right time for a specific person. The Bible says that he ends up healing, not even healing, he ends up raising Lazarus from the dead. And it was the, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, miracles in Jesus' ministry. And what I want you to understand is that sometimes God may seem like he's late, but he's never late. You might be waiting for a promise. You might be waiting for a miracle. You might be waiting even for some, some answer for, for, for some prayer you've been praying for God. And Jesus is saying, it's not that I'm not late. I'm not running late, I didn't wake up late, it's not that I'm too busy, I'm not ignoring you, I'm not avoiding you, I'm gonna show up at the right time, it's just not not gonna happen when you want it to happen. I'm gonna show up on the right time, it may seem late to you, but I'm perfectly on time. And that's what we have to understand, is that God hasn't forgotten about us, he hasn't been ignoring us, he hasn't overlooked us. He's going to show up, and when he shows up, it's going to be at the right moment, at the right time, at the right season in your life. We want it right now right now, and God is saying, maybe it's not, it's not going to happen right now. It will happen. You will receive that miracle. You will receive that promise. I am going to answer that prayer that you've been praying for. It's just not going to happen when you want it to happen. A lot of us don't understand God's timing because we want it right now and right now. So the first thing that I feel like we have to understand is that God works on a different time schedule. That thing you've been praying for, don't don't put a time on it like like Mary and Martha. God is going to show up. He's just going to show up at the right time. It's not that he's late. To you, he may be late. To you, he may be late. To you, he may be tardy. He's going to show up at the right time and it's going to be at the perfect time. Amen. Second thing I want us to understand is his promises. Look at verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. The Lord is not slow. And keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Peter is once again arguing against what these false teachers were saying and how they were denying Jesus' return. He first wants them to understand that God works on a different timetable. But then he wants to, now he wants them to understand that that you know God's promises are are gonna come. It's not that he's coming late, but they are going to come. He wants them to understand God's promises. And what Peter is saying in this verse is such a powerful truth. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Another version of the Bible says that God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. You see, these people, these Christians were counting on Jesus's return. They put their hope that Jesus was going to return one day. They were expecting possibly for Jesus to return in their lifetime. They were expecting that when Jesus died and he resurrected, that he was going to show maybe, you know, in a a couple of days or in a couple of weeks or in a couple of years. They were expecting for that to possibly happen. They were were waiting for this promise that Jesus had made to them. And, And what I found interesting is this, is that From the moment Jesus resurrected to the moment Peter writes this letter, it's about 30 years. And so they were waiting for Jesus to return for about 30 years. They were waiting on this promise that Jesus had given them for 30 years. Can you imagine waiting for 30 years for something? Somebody owes you money. Can you imagine waiting 30 years for them to pay you back? You can kind of understand why some of them were losing hope. Why some of them were starting to give up. Man, maybe what these false teachers said were were true. Maybe what these people, maybe the rumors are true. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back. I mean, it's been 30 years since he died. He promised that he's coming back. Where are you, Jesus? Why aren't you showing up? Why aren't you here? You made us a promise. It's been 30 years, what's happening? No wonder some of them started to give up. But what Peter wants these people to understand is that just because you haven't seen God's promise doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. Just because you haven't seen God's promise in your life doesn't mean it's not gonna happen. If Jesus promised that he's gonna return, he's gonna return. He's gonna keep his word. He's gonna follow through. He's gonna carry out what he said. Why? Look at Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man, nor does he lie. He's not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? God isn't like me or you. God doesn't break promises. He doesn't lie to your faith. He doesn't promise you something and go back on it. God isn't a man, so he doesn't lie. He doesn't promise something to you and and, and not fulfill his promise. You have to understand that. You have to understand that what God has promised you in your life, you have to understand that the promises that are in the Bible, they're going to be fulfilled. It's just not going to happen when you want it to happen. But it will happen. Problem is we think that that God has forgotten us, huh? Just because we don't see the promise happening, we think that God has forgotten us. And we've confused or mistaken our impatience for his timing. A lot of us are mistaking our impatience for his timing. It's not that he's not going to show up. It just means that you're impatient. Hmm. God's promises are going to (laughs) have, they are going to come. You just have to be a little bit patient. Question is, are you willing to be patient? Are you willing to continue to believe? Are you willing to continue to have hope for your spouse? For your family? for your personal life? Are you willing to to believe in the promises that God has for you, the promises that you've been praying for? How much are you willing to believe in God's promises? How much faith are you willing to have in trusting in God, knowing that he is gonna come through, knowing that he's not gonna leave leave me, knowing that he's not gonna forsake me? How much faith are you willing to, to, to truly have to believe that God is gonna fulfill what he's promised for you? Or are we just too impatient, and we just want it right now? There's a story of Abraham and Sarah. At the age of 99, right, God made a promise to Abraham, saying that he would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. He made a covenant with Abraham Saying that he will be a father of a multitude of nations. At the age of 99, God made a promise to him. One year later, they received the news, him and Sarah, that they're gonna give birth to a son, that they're gonna have a son. The Bible literally says that Abraham laughs at, at that. I'm gonna have, God, I'm 100 years old. I'm about to have a son. Sarah is 90. You know that girl been trying to get pregnant and and it hasn't been working. I'm 100. Sarah is 90. And you're telling us we're about to have a kid? They literally were laughing. Him and Sarah were laughing at the idea that they were going to have a kid. Because they believed that, that, you know... We've been trying for so long and it clearly hasn't been happening, so it's clearly not going to happen. But, but Abraham has somewhat forgotten the promise that God has given him just a year ago. And God delivered on his promise. At 100 years old, Abraham gave, you know, had a son, Isaac. 100 years. You know what that tells me, ladies? It's not too late. Some of you are like, yeah, it is late. What are you talking about? (laughs) The point is that when God promises you something, at the end of the day, he's going to deliver it. You just have to be a little bit patient. Don't lose hope. Don't forget. Stand firm in God's promises. Last thing that I want to share with you, and I'll finish with this, is that we have to understand his patience. Look at verse 9 again. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. What does this verse say, right? What does it continue to say? Instead, he is patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, I, I went to the mall to do some shopping. And, <laughs> And um, I, I tend to go a little bit earlier in the day just because I don't want to be in the mall with a lot of people. And I want to just go in and out, right? I, I'm a fast shopper to begin with. I don't, tend, I don't like to spend a lot of time you know, in a specific store trying on a billion different things that I'm not gonna buy. Ooh. And so I like to go a little bit early, and, and, and I did. And I get to the store, there's not a lot of people there, the line isn't long. I try out a couple of things, right? I get in line, I'm thinking, this is going to go fast. I got things to do. There were two people in front of me. The first person was a guy who, you know, he was buying something. Didn't take too long, but then he had also made, I guess, an order online. And he was waiting to see, you know, if if they had his order so he can pick it up. That was taking some time. I was about five minutes in line already. Keep in mind there's only one cashier. And she's trying to find his order and trying to find his order. and And nothing's happening. The line is getting just a little bit longer now. Whatever, at the end of the day, you know, she, they didn't find his order, and he left, and I'm thinking, okay, this is perfect. Five minutes is nothing. I, I'm, I'm going to go in and out, and, that, and that's it. The next person in front of me was this lady. I saw that she had just a couple of things, not too bad. I kid you not, and I'm not making this up. She gives the cashier her clothes. She reaches to the bottom and picks up four huge boxes of clothes that she's returning. Four, four huge boxes. I've never seen somebody return so many clothes in my life. She was, I mean, she must've made an order, like a a bad decision or I don't know what she was doing. They might've, they must've messed up her orders. I mean, I don't know what happened, but she was returning all these clothes. And the reason why I woke up early, the reason why I came to the mall early was to avoid this exact thing. <laughs> and so now the line is getting longer. There's still only one cashier there. And she's returning. She had so much clothes. Listen, this is the other thing that got me mad. Because she, she was in the guy section. Like there's a, there's a, a woman section and a guy section. She was in the guy section returning clothes. It's supposed to be just for guys. We know you women have you know, the majority of the store and you have more options. Stick to that side of the store. Don't come to the guy section. She had so much clothes that she had to tell her friend, you know what, take these clothes, take half of it and go to the woman's section to return them. And so now you can see how my patience is being tested. I was willing to wait five minutes, but now it's been about 15. Also, I only had one thing that I wanted to buy. One thing. This lady had four billion things that she wanted to return. And my patience is being tested. And in my head, I'm like, God, I'm a pastor. And you tell me I have to love. but I don't know if I can do that right now. I'm in the line about 25 minutes in, and, and... I don't know if I can wait any longer. And and you know what I started to think? The amount of patience God has for me and for you. The amount of patience that God has had for me and for you. The amount of patience that God has had to deal with someone like you, to deal with someone like me, one who's failed him one billion times, one who's made him, you know, sad, one who's disappointed him, one who's, who's done tons of sins in his life, and he's still willing to have patience for someone like me. Even when I wanted to, to go my own way, even when I wanted to do my own thing, even when I wanted to make my own choices, and I wanted to go here and I wanted to go there, even through all that stuff, he was will, still willing to have patience for someone like me. Even when I sinned against him constantly, he was still willing to have patience for someone like me. Through all of that, through all of my life, he was still willing to have patience for someone like me. It shows how much God cares for us, doesn't it? When you understand the amount of patience that God has for you, you understand his love. It puts his love into perspective. Man, God, you were so patient with me even though it was crazy. Even though I did so many things. It shows you the amount of love that God has for you. The amount of grace that God has for you. It shows you how much God cares for you. I promise you, if I were to switch roles with God and he was acting like me, I would have given up on him a long time ago. I wouldn't have the enough patience to deal with such a failure like myself. I would have given up on him. But thank God he's not like us. Thank God he truly loves you. Thank God he cares about you. Thank God he wants to forgive you. You know what that tells me? Is that because he has so much patience, the only thing I can say is thank you, God. Thank you for dealing with someone like me. Thank you for having so much patience with me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, God. If there's anything that you can do is, is literally just thank him for dealing with someone like you. Why? Why does God have patience? The Bible says because he doesn't want us to perish, but to repent. A lot of these people use this verse as a verse of salvation, saying that God is, is he, he's waiting for everyone in the world to repent. It's not true. This verse is for believers. This verse is for me and for you. It's not for the unbelievers. He doesn't want me and you to perish. Those of us who follow him, he doesn't want us to perish. Rather, he wants us to repent. It really shows the amount of love that God has for you, the amount of care that God has for you. He doesn't want you to perish, but he wants you to repent. And a lot of us still have to repent on a lot of things. It's not about being remorseful, because when you're remorseful, you go back to doing that same thing. But it's about repenting, because when you repent, you stop doing it. Whatever it is, a lot of of us have, you know, have been Christians for so many years that we haven't haven't let go certain things. And God is saying, I don't want you to be remorseful, because one day you'll tell me this one thing, and you'll, you'll tell me that you'll stop doing this one thing. He says, I want you to repent, because when you repent, you stop doing it. You change. When you repent, you let it go. You don't go back to it. So, I wonder if there's certain things that a lot of us have to repent for. Certain things that a lot of us have to let go of. It shows the amount of love that God has for you. Thank you, Father God. I wonder how many people truly want to repent. How many have the enough courage to say, you know what, God? I know I'm prideful. I know I'm hard-headed, but you're right. I finally realize that you have so much patience for me, God. The only thing I can do is to repent. If this is what you want for me, then I'm going to do it, God. You've been dealing with someone like me for so many years. The least thing I can do is just repent. I wonder how many people want to repent this morning. How many people understand God's God's patience? How many people understand God's promise? How many people understand God's timing? I wonder how many people can truly say, you know what, God, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done in my life. Thank you for taking me out of this and this and this. Thank you for having so much patience for me, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, for dealing with someone like me. Thank you, God. Because if it was someone else, they would have already given up on me but you never left me, you never forsaken me, you never abandoned me, you've always been with me. God, thank you for your patience. Can we get up on our feet?